Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Let's Make a List. This is our podcast where we take a topic, give our top five choices for the topic, and then create a collaborative, definitive top 10 list. Today, we are going back to our original format, and we are talking about our favorite films. Our criteria is basically as follows. If the movie was made prior to streaming service, then the movie has to have been shown in theaters for more than just like a select engagement. It has to have been shown widely. If the movie came out after streaming services, then it has to have the criteria of being at least an hour and a half long. It has to not be a made-for-television movie. It has to be something that would fit into the category and the criteria of something that would be released in an actual theater. I think this will be a fun topic. I know that our film tastes are pretty different. I doubt we'll be... Because I have a better taste than you. (laughs) Well, that that is subjective. I I think... true. Subjectively. (laughs) I can't with you. I think we have different tastes in films, and I think that's definitely going to show up in here. So I doubt we use our alternates, but I'm kind of interested to see what we both have for alternates. And I will say that there is a movie that I did not put in my top five that just barely made the cut. And we'll talk about that um, a little bit later in the podcast. So without further ado, I am going to go ahead and start this week since you started last week. My number five, or just to annoy you, I have at number five. No intellectual property rights (laughs) to. My number five is the movie Mean Girls. I don't have a lot of comedies in my top 10 films. Because I'm funnier than you. Well, no, just because I'm more of a, I don't know, I'm more of a drama guy, I guess. But Mean Girls is just so well written and the characters are fleshed out so well. I mean, Regina George, you know, she showed up on our villains list. Everything about this movie is great. You know, all the quotables, the girls, the girls have gone wild. I want to lose three pounds. You can't sit with us. You know, there's just so many great, great quotes from this movie. It's a really good snapshot of what it was like to be a teenager in high school in the early 2000s. Star-studded all-star cast from top to bottom. Great film. That's really all I can say about it. It just barely misses being a little bit higher. But once I get through my, my top four, I think you'll see my logic behind that. So number five, I have Mean Girls. Which one, the the new one or the old one? No, yeah, thank you. That's actually a, a good point. Yeah, I it, the original, the original. I have not seen the newest one yet because I don't think it's out yet. But uh, it comes out in like three weeks. I haven't seen it. I I can't imagine that it will hold up to the original, but eh, it might be good. I don't know. Number four, Interstellar. I saw Interstellar with uh, your mom. Oh dang, saw it with your mom. <laughs> Back when it came out, so we went and saw it in the theaters, and it was... Stop. Sorry, I fell asleep watching this boring movie. No, stop. It's really good. So basically, I took the week between Christmas and New Year's off that year, and we went and saw two different movies. One was Interstellar. The other was, uh, I think, Bright Eyes. And they were both great. Like the Gorillas song, Bright Light? I mean, White Light? No, Bright Eyes. Interstellar was a film that was highly acclaimed the year that it came out and everybody talked about it for a number of months. All of the four people who didn't fall asleep watching it. It's fantastic. It's one of those films where, you know, I'm I'm somebody that has to sit and process what I've watched. And two weeks after I saw this movie, I was still processing what I had seen. I think it's one of Matthew McConaughey's best roles. I think it's well written. I like a dystopian future, so it it scratches that itch for me. The soundtrack, Hans Zimmer did an amazing job with the soundtrack. 
you know, everything about it is just really thoughtful and introspective. So, yeah. I've only seen Matthew McConaughey on one movie before. Which movie? The Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the beginning. He played Vern, and he was the only good part of that movie. You need to see more Matthew McConaughey because he is a fantastic actor. Dude, he just went like balls out crazy for that movie. He was like jumping up and down and screaming and wailing because he was one of the villains. He really gets into a role, and I think that's fantastic. And the great thing I think about him, he's so versatile. He can do, you know, rom-coms. He can do sci-fi. He can do drama. He can do, uh, apparently, horror. I don't know. He's just a great actor. And honestly, when this movie came out, I was a little apprehensive about the fact that Matthew McConaughey could pull off this kind of a lead character, but he did a fantastic job. So number four, I have Interstellar. At number three, I have the only musical to show up in my top 10 and the only musical that's going to show up on this top five today, and that is La La Land. No, it's not. A musical is showing up on mine. I said on my list. You said on our list. No, on our top five today. I said on my top five today. You said on our top five today. You better check yourself some. Yeah, we'll see. Number three, I have La La Land. I smell bias towards a place. Yeah, you will see here from this point on, basically, there's a very LA-centric spin to my my top five. I love La La Land. Emma Stone's great. Ryan Gosling is great. The story is great. The music is great. I rocked this soundtrack like hard when it came out, and I <laughs> I do not mind saying that at all. It's fantastic. The story is, is fun. The music is fun. It takes place in my favorite city. Detroit, Michigan? No. <laughs> Tara and I went and saw this on Valentine's Day. There were parts of the movie, and I'm not ashamed to say that I like openly wept because they were just like so beautiful. And you also cry at McDonald's commercials. I do. So take that with a grain of salt. I do. I, I, yeah, I do. <laughs> but the part where they go to Griffith Observatory and they're, they're dancing and they kind of like float up into the sky. I was just like, so Griffith Observatory is one of my favorite places in the world. And just to see it in cinema, every time I see it in cinema, I get excited. But to have it be such a focal point of that particular part of the movie, it was just, I mean, like, yeah, I was crying a lot. And I don't know if you recall, but when the movie came out on DVD or Blu-ray, I guess, I went and bought it the day that it, it came out. And we didn't watch the movie that night because I think it was a little bit later in the day. And you were young enough that you were still going to bed kind of early. But I did watch the opening number, Another Day of Sun. And, you know, just seeing how they have the freeway shut down and all those people dancing. And you can see downtown Los Angeles in the, the background at certain parts. And my favorite part, and I, I know you don't remember this, but it was so fun because you were like, I don't know, like five or six, maybe. No, I was like seven or eight. Okay. So you were like seven or eight. Yeah, that would make more sense because you would have been more cognizant of this. And you were like, you know, you see all the people dancing on the cars on the on the freeway and you're like, is, is that I-70? <laughs> Which, you know, for around here, that would make sense. It was actually, I think, the the 405, but yeah. Like that Johnny Cash song? That's the 309. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, number three, I have La La Land. Number two, the oldest movie on my list, I have Sunset Boulevard. So I made you watch this movie with your Nana when we were in Estes Park, and your dude, who is your grandpa, for those who don't know, and your mom were doing an overnight hike up in the mountains. We were just kind of, you know, left to our own devices and we were watching movies and I had a bunch of movies on a hard drive and this was one that we we chose to watch. And yeah, I could understand why at the time, was that about, were you about seven or eight then too? Let's see. So that was also the trip where I saw the trailer for Annabelle Creation, which came out in 2016. So I was about six years old. 
So you were a little old or a little younger. So I could understand why you would not be as into this. I mean, it is black and white. Uh, it does move a little slow in parts, but the story is just so good. Right. I mean, you've got a, a former silent motion picture star who is operating under the, under the delusion that she is still relevant in Hollywood and has this magnum opus that she wants written so that she can make her big comeback. You know, you've got the struggling writer who's been basically tasked to live with her and be like her live-in boyfriend and also write her uh, screenplay. And then everything that transpires after that with her just kind of descending into madness and him realizing that it's great to have money, but there's also a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. It's it's classic film noir. It's wonderful. It's fantastic. So it's my number two, Sunset Boulevard. All right. Boring set, boring bard. And number one, forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. Oh my gosh. Was that an Adventure Time reference? Jake the dog? No, it's not. So Chinatown is my number one film. Chinatown and Sunset Boulevard were films that I saw as part of a cinema class that I took in college. Okay, Randy Meeks. Where we watched a bunch of different classic films. And all the movies that we saw were, were great, but these two really stuck with me in Chinatown more so than Sunset Boulevard, which is why it's number one. Jack Nicholson is great. Roman Polanski for all the conflict and for all the drama that surround him. His little cameo is great. You know, Kitty Cat. Everything about the film is good. You know, it's 1930s, 40s Los Angeles, you know, dealing with drought and uh, all the references to Mulholland and uh, like, all the... Like the record label that Snoop Dogg has? No, Mulholland, the... Uh, the guy who helped bring water from the valley to Los Angeles. And I don't know. Yeah, you probably don't, but you is will. Is that what You'll the drive is named after? It is, yeah. Mulholland Drive is named after him. But yeah, you know, kind of utilizing all of that, trying to get water into LA and, and how clandestine that is. And then the major, major plot twist toward the end of the movie, which I won't reveal because if you haven't seen this film, you need to see it because it turns out that the dead guy in the bathroom floor was jigsaw the entire time. Yeah. It's just, it's a fantastic movie. So my number one Chinatown and you won't let me watch it. And I'm still so annoyed by that because I kind of want to watch it eventually. I just, I, I don't know that it's, yeah, I don't Dude, know. I, I, <laughs> I can handle anything. I've seen terrifier too. You can't even handle that movie. Yeah. But you didn't let me know that you were watching terrifier too until after you had seen it. So. I own it on 4k, the highest quality available. I'm just saying it's also the only movie I own on 4k. All right. So going through my top five, five through one, I have mean girls at number five interstellar at number four, la la land at three, Sunset Boulevard at number two. And number one, I have Chinatown. That's where you go to buy plates. Uh, I get it. <laughs> All right, Jack, why don't you hit us up with your five? All right, coming in number five, I got the cinematic achievement that is Child's Play 2. So what puts Child's Play 2 above the rest of the Child's Play movies for you? I know that you talk about this one as being your favorite of the series, but what does it for you? Oh, gee, Frank, I'm glad you asked. So you see, you got the first Child's Play, right? It's a it's a decent little little thriller trying to figure out, is it the doll killing people? Is it Andy killing people? You don't know. Obviously, it's the doll. If you have two brain cells to rub together, you can figure that out. 
but they don't really let Chucky be fully fleshed out as the kills that he does are kind of boring, and he's not very funny. Brad Dorf doesn't get to do a whole lot of voice acting in that one. But with Child's Play 2, we're like, all right, reins are off, go full throttle. And they let him just go all the way out. There's only like seven minutes in this movie before Chucky is just up and at him doing his thing. The one-liners in this movie aren't terrible, which is something that they kind of struggle with after this. The finale in the doll factory is, oh my god, it is so perfect. When you think of places you want Chucky to be in, a doll factory is pretty high up there. It's like the hedge maze scene from The Shining, but with boxes and boxes of good guy dolls, which is the doll that Chucky is. And on top of that, the kills are really good. There's the, uh, what, what are those people called who have the hard hats and work in factories? And the, the security guy, the security guy kill in the factory is really good. Chucky tricks him into going onto the assembly line and he gets doll eyes shoved in his eyes. And it's a very scarring image, but it's a very cool kill. There's the amazing, isn't it? Where a kid holds up Chucky and he slashes this old chick's throat after saying that. And then she falls on the uh, copier machine and he just copies pictures of her face over and over again. A little bit of dark comedy there. There's the whole Chucky and Tommy dilemma where you don't know which doll because in this movie, Andy, who's the kid from the first movie, goes to a new foster home because his mom is under psychiatric observation. So he goes to a new foster home and they have a good guy doll named Tommy. But Chucky finds his way to that house too. So you don't know which doll is which during which scenes until Chucky buries him. But still, it's just a well-rounded movie. The colors are so bright and vibrant. The purples and the pinks and the blues and the greens. They'll just pop so much. And the animatronics for Chucky have improved so much. He's a lot more expressive and you can feel the emotion. And just one of the funniest scenes ever where after he gets his hand ripped off, he stucks a six and knife blade in it and he looks it up and he goes, I hate kids. It's just a well-rounded slash overall. And I truly believe it is one of the best films in the 90s. I love Child's Play too. So I think it's interesting. You mentioned that, that Chucky doesn't get a lot of screen time for lack of a better term, and in the first Child's Play. I think that's similar to Freddy Krueger. Between the first and the second movies, he doesn't really get a whole lot of yeah, you know, time to throw out his one-liners and that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, and in the second movie, Freddy is just like stone cold. He's not really like jokey until the third movie, and the third movie is the only one where they do it right. Because Nightmare 2 Freddy is genuinely scary. He has like, like demon eyes in this part where he goes, you've got the brawn and I've got the brain, and he rips out part of the skin on his head exposing his brain nightmare too freddy is creepy i just think it's kind of funny you can see with horror movies i think especially you know with the number of sequels that they get they are pretty good at finding out what the test audience likes and by the time you get a little bit further into the franchise it becomes a little bit more formulaic because they know okay so this is what worked in the past and this is what people want and i think that's why you know by the time you get to the end of a franchise if you look at it compared to the original or maybe the first couple of films, completely different because it's just such a, a change in what is desired. And it just becomes kind of a, I don't know, like a reproduced 20 times over evolution of itself. It's one of the reasons I like the Child's Play franchise. It's a different movie every single time. It doesn't go to that. First movie, Detective Mystery. Second and third, Slashers. Bride of Chucky is a straight horror comedy. Sea of Chucky is a self-aware comedy with Jennifer Tilly and Redman playing themselves. Curse of Chucky, straight horror flick, no comedy. Cult of Chucky, blindingly white and kind of dark comedy again. TV show, 
comedy, season two of the TV show, religious drama, season three, political drama with comedy. You don't get the same thing at all, and I love it. It's a franchise that keeps on giving new things. Well, just for the sake of of keeping us moving on, what do you have for number four? I got Mean Grills. Let's go. Not Mean Girls, Mean Grills. It's a movie about these people who (laughs) like to cook steaks. That's actually pretty funny. So what do you like about Mean Girls? I've kind of talked about what what I like. What is what is your favorite part or your favorite parts of that movie? It's kind of funny if I'm being real. Like, I'm not one to laugh at things that aren't like over the top. And that movie isn't over the top at all, but it's still pretty funny. And I just think that the character dynamics between all the characters are good. And like the evolution that... Katie Heron? Yeah. The evolution that she goes through is just really interesting and seeing how public school can just affect somebody people in general can just do that it's a nice little little version of of a movie nice so since you had it at four and i had it at five that averages out to four and a half let's put it there then Uh, yeah i'm gonna put it at four i think well i can't put it at a half so we can no we're gonna put it at four and i think that's a good spot for that so uh number four on our top 10 list is spoken for all right number three I got The Evil Dead 2, also known as the movie where the poster has the funniest side eye ever. Yeah, that's true. And this is, again, yeah, I think we talked about this last season when we talked about this movie, but this is one that you made us watch on vacation. And the entire time I was just like, what am I watching? This is literally the weirdest thing I've ever seen. It's an exercise in absurdity. It is. And, you know, kind of getting a little bit more into the lore and, and understanding a little bit more and watching a, a couple episodes of Ash versus Evil Dead with you. I think I understand it a little bit better now, and I think I appreciate it a little bit more than I did the first time I saw it. Uh, I, I think it's a pretty decent movie for for what it is. You know, it doesn't take itself too seriously. It's a little tongue in cheek, and I think that's cool. And I feel like it takes the concept of the original Evil Dead, where a bunch of kids go into a cabin, they read from a book, and they get turned and possessed, except for one. It takes that, and it's like, all right, we're going to take the core concepts of that, and then we're just going to make this a Three Stooges episode with gore. I love the part. I just love Ash. He's probably my favorite character in cinema. And this is where he really comes into his own. Because in the first movie, he's kind of a dork. But in this movie, he becomes a basically Duke Nukem character. And he just goes insane, like the part where his hand gets possessed. And Bruce Campbell's just like flinging himself around. And that was all practical, too. Bruce Campbell does a great job in this movie. It's it's just really, really funny and really, really, I wouldn't say scary. But there is some pretty good parts that try to scare you like that. I'll smile your soul, I'll smile your soul part is pretty good. Love Evil Dead 2. And on top of all that, Evil Dead 2 is the highest rated horror movie on Litterboxd. So there's that. All right. Yeah. Based on, on what you've just shared and what we've talked about previously, I think that's that's that makes sense for us your spot number three on the list. How about number two? I have the greatest musical to ever be written. I have the greatest musical ever written at number two. <laughs> we got South Park. Bigger, longer, and uncut. I knew this was going to be on your list. I didn't know where, but I assumed it would probably be in one of the top two spots. So, yeah, that is it. And it is a musical, and it is good. I will I will give you that. All of the songs are absolute hood classics. Like, I don't know a day in my life where I haven't sung up there in my head. It's just such a good movie in general. Basically, the plot of the movie is that the four boys, Dan, Kyle, Cartman, and Kenny, go to see a movie and it has a lot of swearing in it and like like rude humor and the boys 
mothers see it and they're like oh my goodness this is turning our boys into horrible people and oh we got to ban this movie and ban canada start a war on canada and kill the people in the movie and they start spiraling and it's just so ridiculous and on top of that uh towards the beginning of the film kenny dies and he gets sent to hell and you see the b plot of the movie which is satan and saddam hussein's relationship and how saddam hussein is being abusive towards him and it's just really funny and kenny has to help satan through all of that and then it's also revealed that if the parents kill the stars of the movie that the boy's seen, then Satan will come up to Earth and kill everybody, which they do anyways. And then Satan comes up and Kenny's like, hey, um, can you not do that? And Satan's like, all right, sure, you were pretty cool. I'm not going to do that, but you'd go to hell. And Kenny's like, oh, all right. Bye, guys. See ya. And then he ends up going to heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was nominated for an Academy Award because of Blame Canada. And it's 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 just so good. I love this movie, and you can watch it in a vacuum. It's sort of like a prequel to the show. That's how they were going to end it, but I'm glad that they didn't because the show just got better after this movie came out, and I feel like this movie really gave them the kick in the pants that they needed. So one thing I like about South Park is the fact that they... So, you know, The Simpsons predict future events on their show. I feel like South Park predicts reactions, just like the fact that the parents overreact to things it's a lot of, a lot of times, you know, you look back at it now and you're like, okay, wow. You know, at the time we thought that that was just completely ridiculous and people actually do that, you know? Yeah, like, um, there's a reason that like they did it. Cause that was like the reaction that the show had at the time. Right. And now it's just a staple of life. Everybody loves South Park. Yeah. I, I think this is a, a solid choice. And also think it's funny how this is kind of like a remake of an episode in season one death. Oh yeah. Yeah. I guess it kind of is. Yeah. Good call. All right, number one. Surprising, literally no one who's ever speaking to me for more than seven seconds. I have the 2004 masterpiece Saw. Shocker. Wow. For those of you who don't know, I used to hate the Saw franchise. I think it was a bunch of torture and nothing else. No substance, just gore and grossness. Until I actually sat down to watch the first movie. I was like, you know what? This is 50 cents at the video store. I'm going to give it a chance. I'm going to watch it. I watched it. I have never been more surprised when I've watched your movie. For the entire last 10 minutes, my jaw was just on the floor of all the twists that this movie has. I kind of already spoiled one of them in the episode already, but please go ahead and give this movie a watch. It is so good. The concept alone is one of the best I've ever seen in a film where two men wake up in a decrepit, dirty old bathroom chained to the floor. And they find two tapes that say that one of them has to kill the other to escape. That is such a good concept for a film. And it's executed so well done for the small, small budget that they had. They did the best that they could do. The reverse bear trap scene is unforgettable. All the parts with Danny Glover in them are great. And Tobin Bell, as little as he does in this movie, is fantastic. Well, and I think as much as you've talked about Saw... Over the course of this podcast, I think enough said is a good enough answer for me because, yeah, I think you have done a very good job of explaining over the months that we've done this podcast why you like this movie. And it's less of a I like this movie because it's, you know, it has shock value and it's more of I like this movie for plot points and, and writing and writing and cinematography and that sort of thing. So I think like, you've done a really good job of explaining why you you like this franchise and this movie in particular. I don't know how to explain it, but this movie is just green and blue in the best way possible. That's the only way I can describe the cinematography is green and blue. Okay. 
All right. Well, why don't you do your top five for us real quick, and then we'll hit these alternates. All right. From five to one, we have Child's Play 2, Mean Grills, Evil Dead 2, South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, and Saw. Okay. Well, let's hit these alternates, and then we'll get into making this list. My first alternate barely misses the cut, and at one point in time was in my top five. And that is the Luc Besson sci-fi movie with Bruce Willis and Mila Jovovich, The Fifth Element. Oh, and Gary Oldman. Can't forget Gary Oldman. I absolutely love this movie. Again, tons of quotables. Chris Tucker also. I mean, yeah, everything about this movie is fun. I remember seeing it in the theater. It was right after I graduated high school. It's just, it's fantastic. It's fun. You know, the fact that uh, Luc Besson wrote it when he was still like, I think about your age, he he wrote it and then eventually got an opportunity to produce and direct it and get it in theaters. It's just fantastic. I think it's, as far as sci-fi movies go, it's accessible to everybody. And Bruce Willis, I mean, who doesn't love a good Bruce Willis movie? And this definitely checks the box of a good Bruce Willis movie. Or does it? No, bum, it bum, does. Bum. No, it does. And then... I mean, that's... Sorry, I'm going to say something on that really quick. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of the only like five movies we own on Steelbook. Because we have that, Chinatown, Total Recall, Evil Dead, and The Dark Knight on Steelbook. Yeah, I think that might be it. I I don't know that we own any others at this point, but it was one that when we saw it on Steelbook, the Steelbook looked super cool. And I think it was probably one of the first Steelbooks that we purchased just because it looks awesome. The, you know, the Steelbook that we have and I wanted to get it in a way that it would be easy to, you know, to archive it and, and display it and have it look cool. So my final alternate is the film Heat by Michael Mann. And I don't know what else to say about this other than the fact that, hey, it's another Los Angeles-based film. It's got De Niro. It's got Pacino. It's got Val Kilmer. It has Tom Sizemore. It has Natalie Portman. It has Ashley. Kanye West. It has Ashley Judd. I mean, it's just an all-star cast. And the movie is fantastic. The big shootout scene in downtown Los Angeles, like midway through the film. Oh, it's amazing. It's so it. it's so well done. And yeah, you do need to see it. It's it's long, but it's great. And I think if you haven't seen it, you should. And if you have seen it and haven't watched it in a while, you need to go back and watch it. I've never even heard of it, if I'm being 100% real. Oh, that's all right. You don't have to have heard of it, but you will watch it eventually. It'll... <laughs> It will happen. <laughs> heat is my last alternate. How about your two alternates? I have a question. Is it straight heat? Uh, it is more than just straight heat. It is straight fire. All right. So for my first alternate, I have probably one of the only good remakes of a film ever. Hellraiser 2022. And what makes it almost miss the cut, but makes it enough to be an alternate? Child's Play 2 is just so fire. That, that's why. Okay. Anything else you want to say about it? So a lot of movie, when this movie was announced people were not happy because the Hellraiser franchise had been on a downward spiral since the fourth movie. After Bloodlines, nobody liked any of them. They were all trash to the point they even lost the original actor for Pinhead for two movies. And when they announced this movie, they'd said, they're going to recast everybody. It's going to be a remake. It's going to go straight to streaming. These were all huge red flags. And my God, this movie is so good. I can't describe it. It takes the concept of the original themes of the Hellbound Heart, which is the novella that Hellraiser is based on, and it takes those concepts and expands them and does them personally, in my opinion, 
way better than the original film does. Pinhead looks far more intimidating. In the original film, Pinhead kind of looked like a, you know, kind of a slasher villain, you know, even though the first movie is not really a slasher. But Pinhead kind of looked just whatever. This Pinhead is scary. She doesn't look mean. She doesn't look intimidating. She just looks creepy. Instead of having that, like, black leather vibe, the Cenobites in this movie are, like, skin-colored, and they have, like, rips in their skin, and that's how their designs are. And there's a part where, like, Penhead's, like, robe part is just, like, a blanket of flesh going over her legs. And Penhead's demeanor is just so eerie and creepy, and the plot of the movie where there's this girl and she's dealing with substance abuses and she comes across the box and she opens on accident and it just puts her in this loop where people she know and love die because of her because the box needs blood in order to grant her her wishes. It's kind of like a genie. And eventually they find the person who originally opened the box and he wanted all the pleasures the world could give him. And since the Cenobites are creepy and weird, they gave a machine that they shoved inside of him that would bend all of his nerves repeatedly in a way that would he would never get used to. And so she sees this, realizes, oh, wait, we need to stop this because my friends are dying and I don't want that to happen to me. And it gets this great big finale with a great score where Leviathan, who's like the god of the Hellraiser universe, breaks through this glass ceiling and just destroys the guy that had the thing in him for betraying the promise he had to the Cenobites. And it just blows up everything but like in a decent way and the final shot of the movie of the guy going down to hell and becoming a cenobite is just so scarring in the best way possible i love hellraiser 2022 i cannot give it enough praises also chatterer also looks really dope well how about your last alternate uh i got paranormal activity the chronology okay so explain this you explained it to me already so i understand it but explain to me why you didn't choose just one Paranormal Activity movie and why you chose the chronology. So for those of you who aren't huge fans of Paranormal Activity, this movie was released about the time Paranormal Activity 4 was coming out. It's the first three movies, both all the footage spliced together in chronological order. And it's I feel that those three movies work really well together as like a bam, 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 three-piece combo. Just the whole idea of Paranormal Activity in of itself is creepy. Of, like, there's this, like, demon who's just following you around your whole life, and when you forget him is when he comes back. The performances in this movie are great. I think the first Paranormal Activity is kind of mid, but two and three are really good, and I love them both. And three is one of the only movies to genuinely leave me scared for days on end. I love this franchise, and I love the chronology. Well, let's get into this. Yeah, let's make a list. Since I went first... I will nominate first, and just as a reminder, Mean Girls slides in at number four, so that... Just choose one of our alternates. Yeah, we need to choose an alternate. Good call. Since I went first, I'll choose one of my alternates, and next week, since you'll be going first, you can choose one of yours. A twist on the concept this season, instead of being able to just choose whatever you want... So like, say, for example, if I choose one of mine at number 10, the next time it's my turn, I have to choose one of yours. And if I were to choose one of yours to start off at number 10, then the next time I would have to choose one of mine at number eight, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, I am going to nominate the fifth element and bring that into the fold here. 
to replace Mean Girls. I am going to choose Fortnite Battle Pass. I'm going to choose Child's Play 2, not because I don't think it's good. I I just think out of seen it. Yes, I have. I haven't. Yes, I have. I've never made you watch Child's Play 2. I've made you watch the third movie at Nana's house, but I have never in my 13, almost 14 years on this earth made you watch Child's Play 2. You've seen parts of it, but you have not seen the movie in full. You forget the fact that I watched movies before you were born. And, you know, every year there's a there was a movie channel when we had just normal cable that every Halloween would play different franchises and they played the Child's Play franchise. And this is when I kind of decided it wasn't one of my favorite franchises. I watched the first movie and then I watched the second movie and I watched part of the third. And I was just like, "Eh, it's all right. What year was that, by the way? So I can know which ones were out. I don't know. It was pre 2013. We would have been married, and I think we were living in our first house. So post-2004, so you'd have had one, two, three, bride and seed. Yeah, it would have been, well, it would have been post-2007, so yeah. Yeah, you would have had, yeah. So yeah, I'm going to put Child's Play at number 10. You mean Child's Play 2? Yes, sorry, Child's Play 2 at number 10. Coming in at number 9, I'm going to put, we still do vetoes, right? Yeah, 100%. I'm going to put Chinatown at number 9. You obviously know that I'm going to veto that because... It's my favorite movie of all time. So, so are you going to? Yes. I said I'm going to veto that. Yeah, I'm going to put Sunset Boulevard number nine. That's fine. I feel like that's a definite spot for you. You do not like this film, and I, I kind of kick myself for showing it to you, I think, a little bit too early because it's a fantastic movie, but fantastically when, you're, boring. when you're six years old, it's probably not going to scratch any itches for you. It's black and white, and it there's not a lot of action. So I'm fine with Sunset Boulevard at number nine. Number eight, I'm going to put The Fifth Element since I have to choose one of mine. I think it's a a great movie. But, you know, out of the movies that I have left on my list, it just misses the cut. It's fantastic, but I, you know, would rather protect the movies that I have left. And so I'll put Fifth Element there. Like the Fortnite movie. Yes. All right, Jack, number seven. I'm going to put Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Okay, why? Because as much as that movie has had an impact on me, I like Evil Dead 2 and saw more. That makes sense to me. So I'm going to be strategic and I'm going to say saw for number six. Veto or no? Let me think on that. Okay. And it's not just strategic. Between the two movies that you have left, I like Evil Dead 2 more. I think it was a little bit more fun to watch. I don't like this new rule. <laughs> it, it makes it harder. No, you're just tired of me winning all the time. No, it just it makes you be a little bit more honest and a little bit more strategic because now I've got to pick my movies, you know, in lower positions than I would definitely want to. Same for you. I mean, I think it's a fun role. If we don't like it, we can revisit it later, but we're at least going to give it a shot on this one. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and not veto that. You're not going to veto that? No. Okay. All right. Saw it six. Saw six is also a great film. <laughs> Probably the best of the Hoffman quadrilogy. I'm going to put La La Land at five. I mean, not La La Land, Chinatown at five. Because you can't do anything about it. I can't do anything about it. You're right. That's fine. I, I get it. It's also something you haven't seen yet. So there's there's no reason for you to, to put it any higher than that. All right. So Mean Girls goes in at number four. So that means at number three, I chose one of yours last time. I will choose Interstellar for number three. Number two, we're going to have The Evil Dead 2. Which I think is a good spot for that. It's a, I think it's a good movie. The more I, I think about it, you know, I talked earlier about having to process movies. The more I, I sit and I process it, the more I'm like, okay, I understand what they were doing there. It's not just unadulterated chaos. It, there, there is a message in there, and it's actually pretty decent. Also on top of that, it leads into Army of Darkness, which is probably the silliest movie ever made. I would agree with that from what I've seen. 
All right. So then number one, I guess I have to put La La Land. So La La Land falls in at number one. Let's start number 10 through one and do our top 10. Number 10. Fortnite Battle Pass. Yes, Fortnite Battle Pass. Number 10, Child's Play 2. Sorry, Jack. Jeffy's back. Number nine, we have Boring Set Boulevard. Sunset Boulevard at number nine. Number eight, we have The Fifth Element. Number seven, South Park Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Number six, Saw. Woo! Uh, number five, we have Chinatown. Number four, Mean Girls. Grills. And number three, we have Interstellarly Boring. Number two, Evil Dead 2. Groovy. And at number one, we have LA, LA Land. Oh, yeah. Oh, that does do that. Who? who yeah, I'm just kidding. Let me do some adding here and we will see what we end up with. <laughs> Okay, so after doing some calculating and some adding, you have 26 and I have 36. So, yeah, I think this is a good a good list. I'm going to piss in your coffee tomorrow. <laughs> That's not very nice. Why, why are you upset? I lost. It happens. Hey, I, I did it like, what, nine times last season, so. In a row. Not in a row. In a row. No, yeah, it's pretty row. close to a row, yeah. So I think this is a good exercise, a, a fun thing to do, and... I'm actually kind of stoked that we had uh, one movie the same on both of our lists. One movie that I almost put on here, and I think as time passes, it probably will show up in my top 10. I don't know if it'll be in my top five, but the Barbie movie was fantastic. And I really had to think about whether or not I wanted to move things around in my top 10 and, and add Barbie. But I think I just need to let it, you know, just let it sit a little bit more and, and marinate in my head before I make that decision. I'm also surprised none of us had Scott Pilgrim on our list. Scott Pilgrim used to be in my top 10. It's in my top 20. It's in my top eight. Nice. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Thank you for joining us. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe on your favorite podcast streaming service, whether that be uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And feel free to interact with us and follow us on X at Let's Make a List PC. Well, everybody have a great week. We will talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye.